I'm out here in the middle of no man's land, and there's a statue of this guy in his runner's outfit, just smiling away in mid-stride. And it said, this is in memory of Andy Payne. And so I, I got on Brother Google and looked up Andy Payne, Foil, Oklahoma. And this is what I read. It was 1928. Andy Payne grew up on a farm with he and his parents, only child. His parents took sick, and they were unable to pay the mortgage that was against that property. And so Andy Payne was on the streets of Claremore, Oklahoma, and seen an advertisement that P.T. Barnum put up in all the cities across U.S. 66, the transcontinental Great American Foot Race of 1928. The grand prize was $25,000, which was a lot more than what Andy needed in 1928. It's a lot of money to pay off the family farm and save his heritage. And he thought to himself, you know, I think I'll just enter my name in this great American foot race. It started in Los Angeles, California, and went all the way to Madison Square Garden in New York City, New York. Oh, my goodness. 275 people put their name in the hat. 275 people started that race with a smile on their face. But within the first 15 miles, over half of the contestants dropped out of the race. Old Andy just kept on running. He ran and ran and ran, ran to uh, uh, Needles, Arizona, and somebody looked at that poor old guy and said, he needs a new pair of shoes. And so they gave him a new pair of shoes. He strapped on those shoes and went back to running. He ran through Arizona, ran through New Mexico, came through the uh, panhandle of Texas, went through the gun barrel part of Oklahoma. And when he came to his hometown there around Claremore, they had a big parade, Andy Payne, hometown hero, still in the race. They looked and seen, boy, Andy, you need a new pair of shoes. And so somebody gave him a new pair of shoes. He strapped them new pair of shoes on and went on running up towards Chicago. Got to Chicago and they said, boy, that guy's a pitiful guy. He needs another pair of shoes. Somebody give him another pair of shoes in Chicago. He journeys on to Cleveland, Ohio. Somebody give him another pair of shoes in Cleveland, Ohio. He goes all the way to Madison Square Garden and was the last guy in the great American foot race of 1928. He felt so good about himself that he took an extra lap around Madison Square Garden in New York City. Now, I said all that to say this. Andy Payne won $25,000, and he wore out six pair of shoes in the great American foot race of 1928. You know what the church needs during this pandemic? We need a Pentecostal pandemic. Hallelujah. Now, if I was going to open this book and preach tonight, and I'm going to watch that clock, give me five minutes, but if I was going to open this book and preach tonight, I was going to draw your attention to two chapters in the Bible in 1 Samuel 15 and 16. And we read about the man of God, Samuel, and about the king, Saul. And 
You remember what God asks Saul or asked Samuel in the 16th chapter in the first verse? Saul has disobeyed in chapter number 15. And Samuel goes through a period of mourning. Yes, sir. And his head was yes, hanging low. Yes. And he was crying and discouraged and bewildered because he had invested everything that he ever had into one man. Can you imagine tonight if you gave every red cent that you had in your bank account to one person and they squandered it all? That's exactly where Samuel was at. It gets so bad in Samuel's life and in the life of Israel that Samuel tried to put the mourning on the whole entire nation of Israel. Kind of like Governor Ralph Northam's tried to do with this coronavirus. Governor Andy Bashir of Kentucky, God bless him, he claims his granddaddy was a Baptist preacher. I'd say his granddaddy's turning over in his grave the day that he announced the church's non-essential take their license plate numbers down and send them tickets when 18 women walked in an abortion clinic in Jefferson County, Kentucky and aborted babies. There's a problem there, brother. And Governor Bashir and Governor of Virginia would like for us to cower in fear with our heads hanging low, mourning, crying, weeping, afraid to do anything. I told Brother Don and his bride a few moments ago, I said, I'd pay good money to get in a meeting like this. It's a good meeting we're in tonight. Samuel mourns. And he calls for a day of mourning, days of mourning in Israel. He's walking around with sackcloth and ashes. Oh, did you hear what Saul did? Boy, Samuel, it's a beautiful day. Samuel, the sun's out today. The rain's not not coming down. Oh, that's nice. But did you hear about Saul? I mean, everything that Samuel had in his mind was centered around a man that God had taken his hands off of. Yeah, I want to tell somebody tonight, you can want something or someone so bad that you can talk yourself right into thinking it's the will of God when God's hand is nowhere on it at all. Sometimes the greatest enemy to our souls is our own desire because our desire can cloud our discernment. Samuel couldn't see clear, Brother Randall. Samuel couldn't open his eyes clear enough. He went to see Saul for the last time. He mourns to God, God, why would you do this? I've invested my whole life into Saul. I've given Saul a palace to live in. I've gave him a king's crown to put on his head. I've given Saul everything And you're telling me that you're done with Saul? The Bible said in 16 and 1 of 1 Samuel, And the Lord spake unto Samuel, saying, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? How long are you going to let this get to you? How long are you going to let this get to you? Is it going to bother you another week? Are you going to let this dominate your thinking another year? How long are you going to cry over something that God says it's time to move on from?
Give me another five more minutes. I'll give you ten. Samuel, you have cried about this thing that God has rejected for too long. Samuel, you have buried your head in your shoulders and stared down at the ground. You can't see the sunshine that I've given you. Samuel, you are causing everyone in Israel to mourn over something that I've rejected. Listen, folks, if Samuel would have kept on doing what he was doing in chapter number 15, he would have done it for another 20 years because Saul wasn't dead yet. If you keep mourning over this, another 20 years of being invaluable to the church, having no value at all to the kingdom of Israel, That's exactly where Samuel was at. But God tapped Samuel on the shoulder. And said, Samuel, look up up there. Have you ever... I was sitting up in Pikeville this afternoon on the drive down here. And uh, we were sitting there on 460. And so help me, there was a line of traffic way, way long like it normally is coming through Pikeville. And uh, right there where that steak and shake and all those restaurants are at now. And I watched as the traffic would move a little bit and then the light would change and we'd come to a stop. And so I got one car away from the light. There was one car between me and the light. And I realized what the problem was. The problem wasn't me and it wasn't that line of traffic that was behind me. It was the fact that the guy that was right in front of me didn't realize that the light had switched from red to green. And he was sitting still at a green light. You know what the problem is in a lot of our churches this evening? The season has changed and we don't know it. The light has changed and we don't know it. God has moved on to the next best thing and we're still holding on to what God says I'm through with. Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Here's what I was going to preach tonight if I would have got it. I would have preached tonight on the very next phrase, Brother Roger, and you've got it, you've got it right here. This is what God says to Samuel. Samuel, you've cried your last tear. You've been doing it for too long. Samuel, you have spent your last sleepless night tossing and turning over what I've tried to tell you to turn loose of. But I'm going to tell you, Samuel, what you need to do is fill thine horn with oil. It's time for another pair of shoes. Hallelujah. It's time to put one foot in front of the other and say, I'm moving forward. I'm going ahead. I'm not lingering behind. I'm getting over some things. I'm shouting my way through some things. We're going to see revival. Fill thine horn with oil. You know what God was really saying there, Brother Nick? 
What God was really saying to Samuel is, Samuel, look at your neighbor and tell somebody. Look at your neighbor. I know we ain't black folks tonight, but I like how black folks do it sometimes. Look at your neighbor and say, get over it. got to get over it. You, you cannot continue to do what you're doing in the shape that you're in, Samuel. Fill your horn with oil and get over it. I feel like tonight, right here in this tabernacle, it's time to get over the COVID-19. I feel like tonight... It's time to get over bad doctor's reports. I feel like tonight it's time to get over the things that's weighing upon our shoulders and say the fix-it man has arrived on the scene and he's pouring out the oil. I said he's pouring out the oil. I said he's pouring out the oil. Fill thine horn with oil. Why don't you throw your hand up right now and say, Lord, fill me. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. I've been empty for too long. Oh, I've been worn out for too long. I've been dragging my feet for too long. Fill thine horn with oil. Three minutes and two points. Here we go. Point number one, get over it. Point number two, Samuel, that horn of oil has been empty for too long. Get hold of it. Get hold of it. Hallelujah. Samuel gets that horn filled back up with oil. And God gives him instructions. Here's the third and final point tonight. Number one, get over it. Number two, get hold of it. Right after God says, fill thine horn with oil, he puts a comma that says, and go. Get over it. Get hold of it. And go for it. Richlands, I love you. But it's time for this church to go for it. It just might save the farm. It just might save the church. It just might bring revival. If somebody would go for it. Somebody, give Brother Steve a new pair of shoes. He's got another thousand miles to go. Somebody, give Brother Roger Boyd a new pair of shoes. He's making another lap. Somebody, 
Give Brother Chad a new pair of shoes. Run on, fellas. Run on, tabernacle. Go for it. Hallelujah. Go for it, Brother Josh. Go for it, Sister Brooke. Go for it, church. Hallelujah. Going for it. I'm going for it. Samuel says, wait a minute, Lord. If I go to anoint another king, Saul's up there on the throne and he's got the sword in his hand. How many knows tonight that the enemy of our soul has tried to captivate us with fear through this pandemic? The enemy of our souls has tried to constrict us and tried to bow us down with fear. There's Saul on the throne and if I do what you told me, Lord, I'll be a dead prophet. Here's the whole point of this tonight. God sent him to a place called Bethlehem, Judah. That's the key. Do you know what Bethlehem Judah was? Bethlehem Judah was that southern region of Judea that had not yet been claimed by the monarchy of Saul. And God says, Samuel, I'm going to send you to a place where the devil has no jurisdiction. Right here in this rich land's tabernacle tonight, the fix-it man has arrived on the scene. I said the fix-it man has come upon the scene tonight. He entered the house and he's here right now getting ready to fix your problems. Hallelujah! Fill thine horn with oil. And when you get down there, Samuel, go to worshiping. And while you're worshiping, the answer to the future will come your direction. Tonight, as Samuel goes down there and takes a heifer with that horn of oil in his hand, in a place where the devil... Nor Saul could get a hold of him when he goes down there and begins to worship. Somewhere on the back side of the hill was David that was saying, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. On the back side of a hill somewhere was a David that said, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord, He will take me up. On the back side of the hill, while Samuel was up there worshiping, 
David was back there saying, The day will come where thou wilt anoint my head with oil. And when he heard the sounds of praise and sacrifice going on back at the house, the answer, Samuel, was in the worship. And when the praises went up, the answer came through the door. Lord, I love this church tonight. You're here in a special way, Lord. I am the Lord, I change not. I say unto thee this night, call unto me and I will answer thee, saith the Lord. Call unto me and I will answer thee, saith the Lord. Your answer's in this building tonight, church. Answers in this building tonight. Why don't you lift your hands all over the house? Let's worship the Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Fill your horn with oil, church. Fill thine horn with oil. You need a refreshing. I know we've shouted, I know we've ran already, but I'm going to open these altars right now. The oil's up here tonight. You need to get a refilling right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
Lord. 